of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. There is no better way to let the Ohio hockey community know about your program, product, or service than advertising on the Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air Podcast. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com to find out how we can help you get the word out. Well, boys, we are all back together after a long, long break. Woo! That's been a long break. Episode 57 was pulled off with a skeleton crew, but we couldn't pass up the opportunity to speak with an NCAA champion and championship and world junior gold medaling winning uh, coach from Providence College, USA Hockey, Nate Lehman. Coach Lehman told us what it really, what it was a really remarkable story on how he got from learning to skate at 13 to where he is now. Uh, Scott and, and Lev, I, I was I was on I was not here. I haven't been here for a hell of a long time, but uh, I'm going to let you guys dive in. I listened to it. What an unbelievable uh, uh, interview! A great story. So uh, you guys take it from here. Just listening to his story, just the fact where if you were to listen to it, you know, in chronological order, starting learning to skate in Centerville when he was 14 or whatever it was just when he got to the point where he was playing in the division three school, you're like, this is, this is an unbelievable Cinderella story that he would get this far in the hockey world, really. And, you know, and then you go forward a few later, a few years later, he's on the bench uh, with Sean Walsh at Maine as they win a national championship and, you know, go from there, the, uh, you know, taking the job at union, nobody else wanted it. They called the guy that was he was sharing an office with and offered it to him, and he's waving at him like, "Oh no, hey, I want it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was that was unbelievable. Can you imagine sitting in an office and being like, oh, "My office partner is getting offered a job and he doesn't want it, but hell, I'll take it." Yeah, and we'll we'll see. You know, starting something from scratch and seeing where it goes. Nobody else want. It. And if you're thinking now, like, "Well, oh, Union, that's a pretty good program." Yeah, it is now. After he was there for seven years or eight years, whatever it was. Right. Last five years, one more games each year, year over year for five years. And then his first year, five years at Providence, same thing. Uh-huh. And uh, obviously- and, and, and USA Hockey still didn't want him then. Right. And he had to convince them. Yeah. I mean, everywhere, the, the biggest thing I took from Coach Lehman was that every step he's made from learning to skate to Centerville, to playing uh, uh, North American Hockey League Junior A, to ending up at Maine, to cold calling Sean Walsh, to getting Harvard, to getting Union, to getting Providence, to getting United States, I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, how many times in that interview did he say, I'm, I'm just a nobody from Centerville, Ohio? And yeah, and that he, nobody's he seems a, like a little, little he's a golden uh, a bronze. In the, he's a golden and a bronze in the same year. Yeah. Very uh, proud of where he came from and how he, you know, the obstacles he had to overcome to get where he is now. And I thought that was a, 
just a great talk. I mean, you think about, you know, literally learning to skate and then just the fact that he made that junior A team, uh -huh. you know, after playing at Centerville, which there were, he said, four teams in the league back then and that, and he was kind of joking about the share an office with four guys at Harvard and all that, but they don't just hand those jobs out. No. Assistant coach at Harvard. That's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that he just up and called Sean Walsh. Yeah. I mean, and, and how he ended up on his staff of Sean Walsh was watching him run a high school practice. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, Hey, yeah. Uh, why don't you come out with me? And they don't, yeah. for people. And they win know. a national championship that year. Yeah. Maine was at the time, one of the best, if not the best program in the NCAA. That's not too yeah. many, too long after. Was that you know, Paul Correa? No, 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 it was probably five years after that. Okay. That was where they were at the time. It was, you know, a few years earlier, they had Paul Correa, the Ferraro brothers. Yeah. Sean, or uh, Mike Dunham and Garth Snow were their goalies. Mm -hmm. You, you told us a story. You used second. to go and watch those games, right? Yeah. I worked at, at they were our biggest rival. Right. I, at UNA, who they beat in the 99 national championship game. Just throwing but, some salt in those wounds. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you, you should have seen when he asked we asked uh, coach about that. <laughs> yeah. And coach sat back with yeah. a smile. He goes, Yeah. Yeah, that's who we beat. Yeah. But yeah, they I mean just sick teams. So they weren't just handing out assistant, even volunteer assistant jobs in Maine either. I mean, his so. his work ethic is unreal and and he's deserving of all the, the positive things that have come his way. And and 2022 is going to be another hard year for him as far as world juniors. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to do good things. Yep. And he said, he always likes seeing uh, when a kid's from Ohio and he had two kids uh, there at the world junior summer showcase with uh, Tanner Dickinson from Perrysburg and Dylan Duke from Strongsville um, up there in, uh, I think it was in Plymouth, uh, Michigan, where they had, I don't know, 40, 50 kids. Uh, that are going to be whittled down to be on the short list to be on the world junior team in 2022. Wow. Exciting stuff, man. It was a great listen. I know our, uh, to our listeners out there, um, if you enjoyed it half as much as I did, uh, it was a great uh, interview. And um, I'm just, I got to be honest with you, uh, I'm jacked to be back. I've uh, been gone for a while. I uh, have the crew back here, which is good. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to uh, kind of switch gears a little bit and, and not talk about men's hockey. We're going to talk about women's hockey. Uh, newly signed uh, college uh, national intent, I guess you could say nowadays. I don't even know how to say it anymore. Um, and we're going to talk to her and she's going to tell us where she's going and what she's doing. Uh, but we're going to talk to Sophie Bellina uh, here from Cleveland. And she's been through the Barons organizations, through the Pittsburgh Elite organization. She's now at Culver Academy. Uh, so it'll be interesting uh, conversation to talk to Sophie and see her path and what's ahead for her. Uh, so we, we're excited to, uh, to talk to her soon. Uh, but before that, let's see what's going on with the guys here. Uh, I have not seen uh, you guys since my uh, July. I'm going to abstain from this portion because I've done nothing. So once you're <laughs> done talking about the summer of Sully, uh, then I'll come back. So, Scott, let's talk to you. I don't know if you talked a little bit to the to our uh, listeners about your trip. Everybody's heard about the trip. Okay. Yeah. So All right. We don't need to revisit that. <laughs> so, but I, I did think about you, and, I, and this is, uh, and I'll get to the, my two weeks in Vegas, my week in Nashville. Um, but uh, my birthday was mixed in there somewhere, and I was sitting outside. We were having a fire, and I just was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. 
And my youngest daughter said to me, just in conversation, she's like, dad, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I want something that I could just suck these uh, mosquito bites off my legs. So of course she goes on Amazon and she buys the bug bite and it, it's intended for snakes. And I remember you telling us a story how you had to go through this class for snakes, right? right. So it's crazy. So this thing is, it's like a, a almost looks like a, a, a shot, right? But it's got this little suction cup on the bottom and it comes in different sizes, I guess, per the, like if you have two fangs this, this big or this big or whatever. So um, it comes in the mail, it's 13 bucks from Amazon, comes in the mail. And now I want to get bit by a mosquito to see how it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I get bit by a mosquito. I'm like, whack, I, you know, whatever. I said to my youngest one, I said, grab it, let's do it. I am not kidding you. She put the attachment on, pumped this thing. You see the white liquid come out of my leg and then blood comes out of it. It suctions up. It's insane. It's insane. Scott's looking at me like- it, And then it doesn't itch? It goes away. Really? It goes away. Right. I, I, and again, I did one today from, I got one last night. So I did it, the, 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 well, I did it today. And you can see the actual hole from the mosquito bite and the blood came out. Now, this is a day later, right? Now, today was just more blood than anything. But when it happened right away, you could see the, the liquid come out. It was, it was, I'm telling you guys, it was insane. It's the, I'll get the exact name. No, you put it no on free, the. No free ads. No free ads, but, no. But, uh, well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a mild poison, basically, right? Irritant. Yes. So I guess it makes sense that it would work, but that, that's, I never thought of uh, trying that. But anyhow, I, I think she bought it as a kind of a joke, but I'm completely in love with the, my, my birthday gift. <laughs> so. So yeah, so uh, so I, I did two weeks in Vegas. I know I haven't been on the show since. Two weeks in Vegas is uh, whew, it's a long time, boys. Well, we were saying that uh, Bobby Goulet doesn't even do two weeks straight in Vegas. <laughs> no. No. So we went down. Uh, the first week was for the volleyball tournament, and uh, girls played really, really well. Uh, they were 6-1 and one after pool play, which in a tournament like that is just unbelievably phenomenal. Um, they lost their crossover. And they won another one. And I think they ended up eight and two in the whole, the whole thing, seven and three, something, something like that. Um, and what an experience for them. And they played really well. Uh, we, 115 degrees isn't bad. With zero humidity. It's not bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah. listen, I came back home to 85 degrees and 70% humidity. And I was like, get me the hell out of here. Right. So 115 wasn't bad. Um, but, you know, it was just I was just ready to get out of Vegas. It was, you know, then I had my conference there for a week, which was, you know, you know how conferences go. I'm just going to leave it at that. And you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, then I came home for a week. And we had our showcase out of town. So another night in a hotel. And then I had to go to Nashville for five days. Uh, for training. And I, I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, Nashville is my new favorite city. I hear good things. I hear real good. Well, every video you sent was of a band and no, listen, they sounded he, you hear him, he goes, I hear good things. <laughs> I hear good things. No, I'm telling you good things yeah. is for real down there, man. And 
And again, I, people are like, oh, the food, this, the food, that, that's right. I, mean, I was, I think I was in such a bad way because I've been eating at restaurants for the last 20 days, right? Um, I did go to this really good uh, barbecue place off the strip of uh, uh, Broadway. But Broadway, I was laughing with one of the guys down there. We, we ended up on Broadway, it was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And we're on one of these rooftop bars, right? Now, by the way, the bars down there, if you guys never been there, have you ever been there? No. You've been there, yeah. right? When were you there, Danny? Uh, we went probably six, seven years ago. Okay. Was down there. All right. So, so, you know, so the bars aren't like freestanding bars. It's not like going in and it's like a one level bar. There are these huge buildings that are like five floors. And this floor has a band. This floor has a, 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 a single solo act. This third floor has a band. And it just, it's nonstop. Um, so it was like Tuesday afternoon. It was like 4.15. We're on the rooftop awesome weather, having a, a, a drink. And here comes the high noon party bus. It's a school bus that they cut the roof off of it, except for the back where the DJ's at. And it's rolling down Broadway. It's four o'clock, 4.15 on a Tuesday. <laughs> I, I'm like, this is an absolute shit show. <laughs> no. And I was laughing. I said to the guy I was with him, like, how does this go? Like, and this actually, this was a bachelorette party. Okay. This was a, this was a, a, and there's a ton of bachelorette parties there. I said, how do you call the high noon bus and be like, Hey, we would like to, we'd like to get a, a, the bus or like a tour or the, the party bus. And they're like, well, what we have the three 30 to five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Oh, well we're in. in. Yes. In. <laughs> you know? in. But well, I'm telling start, you, they're starting with the high noon party bus and it, it's just going to, but, go, but I'm telling from there. I'm telling you, that's the plan anyway. at 11 o'clock in the morning, on Broadway, it, it it's like at a Wednesday morning, it's like eight o'clock on a Saturday night. Bands are playing. I mean, tons of people are out. It's it was one of the most unique things I've ever seen. There, there's a reason why they call it Nash Vegas. That's true. I never knew that they called it the Vegas of the South. Here's the thing: I actually liked Nashville better than Vegas. Mm-hmm. I had more fun in Nashville than I did in Vegas. I mean, Vegas was just, I don't know, man. Well, like you said, you can go into any bar. So go into a dive bar on the strip and you are hearing phenomenal live music. Unbelievable. Music City, USA. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, you could listen. And by the way, to our listeners, if you don't like country, you know, you just go to the second floor or the third floor because it's, it's rock and roll. It's not just all country down there. And it's not like this, the twang country. You got the modern country. You got the twang country. You got the rock and roll. You got whatever. Um, but there, there is one thing that, that both cities do have in common. And it is the, um, the $13 Bud Light. <laughs> both cities have that in common. <laughs> what was it? Was it on the 40-year-old virgin? They took them out. And he's like, man, it's packed in here. Yeah, it's $8 beer night. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. Vegas was the worst, man. I bought, uh, I went, we were at Caesars and I went to buy four Bud Lights. And the bartender's like, well, it's actually, it's actually, this guy. It's like, it's actually, you know, he's, it's actually cheaper to buy five. You get the bucket of beers. I'm like, okay. So I bought the bucket of beers. It was 53 bucks. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? 53 bucks for five beers. I mean, you could go, no free ads, but you go to ZZ, speaking of ZZ, ZZ Top, 
God bless him. Yeah. Dusty Hill. Um, and I tell you what, that was kind of crazy too. I was in Vegas when he died and every single, no, or I'm sorry, Nashville when he died, I didn't know where the hell I was. I was in Nashville when he died and every single band started playing ZZ Top songs. It was nuts. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. But uh, you can go to ZZ's here in Avon and get Dollar Coors uh, grenades. $15 Bud Light, come on. You can go to the Fairview Tavern, no free ads, get a hamburger, a beer, and fries for like six bucks. Right. I've done that before. That's, that's a pretty good deal. It's a pint of beer. Don't get a bottle of pint. beer. Though. Pint of beer. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was our trip, but it was, I really enjoyed uh, um, the volleyball side of it, but here, I'm just going to throw this out there. If we got an extra two seconds and into our listeners, if you have kids that play youth hockey or, or youth sports, um, there's something to say about integrity and um, integrity and honesty when it comes to your kids. And, you know, I'm not going to get too into it, but this is youth sports. And there, I have seen so many people sell out friends, sell out colleagues for youth sports. And the integrity of, of having and teaching our kids what it means to not only tell the truth, but do the right thing is kind of slipping away. And, and I, I say that, you know, in this whole volleyball world, I see it more and more every day. And it's disappointing because, hell, I love watching my girls play, but I don't know if I want them around that. You know, so let's try to keep the integrity and the honesty of the sport and of, you know, each other to use sports. I'm, I, you know, I, I witnessed something over the past month that I just, I, I, it, it's unfathomed to me that it happened. And uh, it, it wasn't indirect to, to my family or me, but I watched it happen and I just could not believe it. I was so disappointed in, in people and the way that they, again, we're talking about 13 and 14 year olds. Like, what the hell are we doing? Be honest with yourself, be honest with your kids, be honest with each other, show some integrity to the sport. To me, all they're doing is disrespecting the sport. They're not, well, they're disrespecting people, but they're disrespecting the sport. So that's my little freaking uh, soapbox on that because it just, it's out of control. Wow, sounds like there's a good story behind that. I'll have to get that off the air. But uh, no. Go ahead. No, it's, it, it, you know, it's, 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 it's really not, it's not a good story. It, it, I mean, it, it is what it is, but, you know, p- people say to all, I, I just love it. I mean, People can do something to better themselves or better their family and other people get mad at it. But yet when they do something that's right for their child, that's supposed to be okay. Right. Because it's right for their child. Right. It's right for them. Um, You know, we've seen this a million times, but you know, again, and and, you know, we had something happen in, in the volleyball world to where something was better for one person on our team. And I don't know, maybe our daughter, and, you know, we were honest with it. The other family was not. Um, and if you're, I don't know. And I, 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 told, I told my daughter, I said, the reason why people are mad is because they only care about their kid. Well, I was going to say, if I had a dollar for every time to take it outside of athletics, even. Yes. When I saw one of my kids friends, parents stick up for their kid when they 
the kid was clearly wrong and take their side, whether it's with a, you know, against a teacher or, you know, somebody else who disciplined the kid or something like that, even when they know the kid is wrong. Right. Uh, it's crazy. My friend's dad still spank me. It's okay. Right. They still smack me in the head. If I'm stupid, <laughs> right. it's okay. Yeah. I mean, with Danny and I, we were in education. We see it all the time. I mean, you know, Oh, my son or daughter, they would never cheat. Well, this was their they cheat. They just cheat. did. <laughs> but it's it's your fault as a teacher that they cheated. Right. Because right. we didn't prepare. What was that cartoon? I sent it to you a long time ago. It said uh, how it used to be. And it showed you're at like a parent-teacher conference. And it was the parents behind the teacher saying, explain these grades. And nowadays it's the parents behind the kid looking at the teacher yeah, right. going, explain these grades. Yeah, right. Like, come on, man. Right. So, so I, I don't want to get into the details of it, but make a long story short, they had such a great year and there was, um, I can put my head on the pillow every night knowing that uh, my family and I were upfront, were honest, and there was other families that were not. And it, it, it just, I, I just, like, what are you teaching your kids when you're doing that? Making monsters. There's so many parents out there that you are just can't, creating monsters. Because they can't be honest about it. They can't be honest with the situation. They don't know how to be. They're afraid of offending. But and, and, and by being afraid to offend, you're doubly offending, if that makes sense. Have a conversation, though, if it's, if it's who, you, who are you afraid to offend? Other people or your kid? Like, if your kid thinks that this is going to cause a problem, have the conversation with the kid, right? And that's the easy, that's the easy way. Like we had an option. We had an option to do, you know, to move our daughter off of this team that just went to the national tournament. And we also had an, uh, an option to keep her there. But we have to think what's best for, for our daughter moving forward. Because this is, I mean, she's in eighth grade. And, and again, I'm probably diving in too much of it, but the high school coaches wanted her to play, wanted her to play a different position. Uh, the couple that has talked to us wanted her to play a different position and her club uh, on this certain age team wants her to play a different position. Well, if she's going to go play high school, we probably should prepare her for that. Right. Well, people got mad because they're like, well, what do you, what about our kid? Well, I'm sorry, but I don't like, I don't go grocery shopping for your kid. <laughs> grocery shop for my kid, yeah. you know? And, uh, it, it, but then we had a situation to where an, another family wasn't so honest. So, which is too bad. So anyhow, now I'll get off my soapbox on there. That note. On that note, uh, let's see what's in the news in the Ohio Hockey Digest. Despite playing up in age, Alina Giampetro, the captain of the Gilmore Gladiators 16U team, made the first cut at the USA Hockey's U18 Select Development Camp in St. Cloud, Minnesota last month. GM Petro is in Blaine, Minnesota from August 5th through the 14th for the Women's National Festival, where she will compete for a spot on the U18 Women's National Team that will represent the U.S. in the 2022 IIHF Under-18 Women's World Championship. Good luck to Elena. Ohio State's Jincy Dunn was named to the U.S. team for Women's World Championships that was canceled in the spring, but will now take place August 20th to the 31st in Calgary. Dunn was a four-year captain for the Buckeyes 
from 2016 to 2020. Well, the NHL expansion entry draft and free agency happened over the week. Uh, you guys want to talk about any of this stuff? Yeah, so uh, interesting Columbus's pick. Seattle basically looked at the Columbus roster, decided they didn't want anybody. <laughs> so they took uh, Gavin Bayreuther, who mostly played for the Monsters last year and is uh, coincidentally from my hometown. I want to point that out. Uh, they, he's unrestricted free agent, so they picked him and didn't sign him. He signed back with Columbus because <laughs> they decided they, yeah, they didn't really want him. They did the same thing with Chicago, I think. So are you surprised? I mean, was there anyone that you thought they should have taken off of Columbus? All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there was... Patrick Line. After it, well, well he, was, he would have been protected. Yeah. So they, after you take 11 guys... There wasn't a whole lot there. I mean, there was probably a few guys who just didn't want the contract. I don't know. So, yeah, they did the same thing with Chicago. And it was interesting. They didn't make uh, any side deal. Remember, Vegas made like four trades where right. they ended up with extra guys and extra picks for, right. for staying away from somebody. Ron Francis didn't do any of that, which was interesting. So he just left himself a lot of cap space on the other end of it. And was able to pick up a couple pretty good players, but I don't think they're going to be as good as Vegas was. I mean, Vegas went to the finals their first year. Obviously, they're not going to be that good. Yeah, they were loaded though. Yeah, but I a lot of that was all the side deals that they made, and they ended up with extra players. Right. Who was the guy from Carlson from Columbus had six mm -hmm. goals and he scored forty three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't see uh, Seattle the Kraken being all that good. So I shouldn't go back to Vegas and put a bunch of money on them. Well, they'll be nice odds. Yeah, but want to play them. Depends how you how you roll. I don't know. I've never been to Vegas. Either. I don't know how you how you play the games. Well, I put a uh, I put a bet on a, a, a plus six hundred uh, fighter in the UFC that I thought was fighting the undercard of the McGregor fight, only to find out that he was actually fighting the following week. <laughs> so I wouldn't follow my lead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Although he did go the distance, though, and got it was a, he got uh, he got beat, but he did go the distance. So what else? So they used some of that uh, cap space to sign Philip Grubar away from the Av, the Columbus, Columbus, Colorado Avalanche. So that was the Avs didn't have a whole lot of money left after they signed uh, Landis Gog and gave McCarr nine million a year. Uh, so then what? Well worth it. Kale McCarr, well worth it. Oh, yeah. Here's, here, here's where you're going to find out if Grubauer is a true number one. <clears throat> you could be a number one on oh. Colorado. I, I could probably come out close to 500 with Colorado. However, yeah. let's see what happens. But they signed that kid from uh, Florida, too. Yeah. I don't know how to say his name, so I'm going to refrain. But Oh, uh, Dreiser, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't put on here is Ned getting traded. Mm -hmm. How about that? What the heck? Yeah, you were sour about that, man. I, you you were all over the uh, uh, Twitter about that. Oh, I don't know what the Carolina Hurricanes have against this kid, but did you see Steve's, Steve Eiserman's response to me? No, yes, <laughs> I yes. Say, I didn't, no, I didn't. He, they asked no. him about why. Why do you think Carolina would allow this to happen? And he said, "I don't know. You're going to have to ask them why they allowed this to happen. You yeah. you draft him high, you groom him." You play him, and then you let him go. You trade him. Good for Ned. 
I mean, he, he, he lives in Michigan and he, uh, uh, work trains with a bunch of Red Wing guys and good for him. Two years. Was it two years? Six million. Six mil. Not bad. Good for him. And it interesting. They get some new know, clubs. Yeah. And I don't know if this was one of the sticking points with, although we could have taken them to arbitration. That was part of it. Um, but the two-year term makes him an unrestricted free agent at the earliest possible juncture in his career. So he'll be unrestricted in two years. So doesn't you, do you, my fan. I was all excited. I had him on my fantasy team, but uh, going to Detroit's not going to help all that much. So I don't think he's going to do me much good in the next two years, but we'll see. Maybe I'll have to hang on. Him. Will he start? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Thomas, I, Grice Thomas Grice is their number one. Like Who was better, Bernier? Bernie, Bernie was better than him. He was. Yeah. He got $4 million a year. He got $8.5 million. I don't know what that would be. I know there's a youth organization, uh, I'm quoting my friend here, <laughs> a youth organization in Detroit that is now without their youth goalie because uh, Bernie left. Oh. And so the team only has one goalie on the team, and that was Bernie's kid. And mm. uh, now they have none. <laughs> So you think, I mean, Ned's got an opportunity to go there and, and start. And- 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good for 100%. him. Good for him. We'll see a lot of rubber in the next few years. Speaking of the uh, entry draft, uh, free agency, NHL expansion, let's talk about the entry draft. Four of the top five NHL picks, uh, draft picks, are playing at Michigan next year, along with Cleveland's own Dylan Duke. That is out of control. That's crazy. I saw a, a quote that said, uh, if Michigan doesn't win the NCAA next year, something's wrong. And then I saw, oh, God, what was it? Something like uh, if uh, Michigan has a bigger payroll than somebody. And I, I mean, that many guys. So, yeah. but, but here's my question. And, and we know how college sports works, right? I mean, Alabama is going to be Alabama in football because they win they're always in the national championship hunt and they send guys to the pros. Now, Michigan's a story program, but Michigan hasn't been in the, in the conversation the last couple of years. I mean, I mean, it's been more than a couple of years. Their recruiting team are brilliant. Somehow or another, they're brilliant to get those top guys, four out of the top five in the NHL draft are now going to be playing at Michigan. I mean, that's like, Stealing them away from Duluth, uh, St. Cloud. I mean, what you know what I'm saying? Well, look, I, look I'd like to know this, how they did that. That's good stuff. You, you can go to University of Michigan, and if you don't play, you're still getting a hell of an education. Well, you're getting a hell of an education in any of these places. Truth. I mean, I, I know where you're. I know where you're going with that. I know where you're going and, with and, that. And, but, but the guys that we're talking about, are they really going to stay for you? No. So well, well, what what did what did Owen Power? What what year is he? he? Well, the three of them were freshmen. He was one of them was a freshman. Okay, so they're they gonna go all play. going back to their sophomore year, right? Because last year was kind of screwed up. He doesn't want to go to Buffalo. So there, there's the <laughs> underlying there's the underlying thing. Neither, I mean, neither does Jack Eichel. Term, but why not spend another year? He's fine going to. He'll get his development there. He'll have a yeah. He'll have a good year. Yep. Yeah, playing the World Junior yep. Years. Go yep. back to college for you. And then so three freshmen, an incoming freshman a third Hughes brother. And then I want to say three more kids later down in the draft, including Dylan Duke from Strongsville who are incoming freshmen. That doesn't even 
consider the older guys who are drafted. Yes. Yeah, uh, there was like uh, two or three of them that were drafted first round last year. Yeah, one of them, uh, Thomas Bordalo, is a Sharks pick, was going off at that World Junior Showcase. Uh, so yeah, they're just so loaded. I they mean, have a new goalie, I think, but but in, he's, a, he's a draft pick too. In turn, that bodes well for NCAA hockey. No, no, no. I I agree, hundred percent. I agree. And that, I mean, it's awesome that all these NCAA guys are getting drafted. Okay. And I don't mean this like it's it's better. I'm happy to hear that they're getting drafted over OHL guys or European guys or WHL. I, I don't mean that. But it, it bodes well for uh, NCAA and education and uh, yes. uh, and sports. But none of these guys, I highly doubt these guys are going to be playing four years. No. So they got – I would assume that these guys, between the current freshmen – and those that are, are coming in had their opportunity to play wherever the heck they wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And this team of coaches and recruiters put something together that said, come to Michigan and we'll do something special in a time when Michigan hasn't really been in the conversation. Well, they sure. probably said, Hey, we got three freshmen getting go- going in the first round. They'll all go pro. So come take their spot. Yeah. <laughs> and how it came well, out. you might but- be redshirted a year. <laughs> You'll be okay. Yeah, but it's you know the NCAA tournament single elimination, so they got to win four games. No, that'll I know. Be, I, well, be interesting. Yeah, no, it will be. I just somebody can knock them out. I was I was thoroughly impressed with with the fact that a team, again, like I mentioned, you know, that hasn't been in the conversation lately, and we know how patterns go. You know, if you're in the conversation, that's where you get. That's where that's where people go. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason why. You know, people. Uh, there is there is a reason why Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama are always in the talk. You know, so. And uh, Ken Johnson, one of those, went fifth overall to Columbus. Okay. So he's one of their three first round picks. Uh, what about the Atkinson trade? I think it's a clean house, mm-hmm. clean yeah. house in Columbus. Clean house and. It's a rebuild. And they got Jacob Voracek back. They originally, I believe, did they did they or did they not draft him? They did. And so now Voracek's back, who possibly needed a change of scenery out of Philly. But it, it's a clean house. Let's move on to different things and 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 let's continue. Speaking of Philly, did you see um, Kevin Hayes? No, not Kevin Hayes. Yeah. Um, well, did you see Kevin Hayes get excited? Well, when, yeah, because Yandel. Yeah. Keith Yandel signed there. Oh, geez. You got those two clowns together. <laughs> going to be entertaining that's funny that's funny let's get on air with sophie bellina from culver military academy sophie bellina has stopped pucks all over the place from the cleveland barons gilmore academy and the pittsburgh pens elite this past season she took her gear to indiana to play at culver academy for the u18 girls prep team next year she'll be taking her talents to rochester institute of technology where she'll begin her NCAA Division One career in the fall. Please welcome on air, Sophie Bellina. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, well, congratulations again on your commitment to Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, you know, let's talk a little about where, you know, where you will be playing next year, as we just talked about RIT. Uh, but let's talk about your experiences coming up through the ranks and, and the elite youth hockey in and around Ohio. You played... Uh, started off playing on the boys team, correct? Yes, yes. I started, I played off um, for the Cleveland Barons boys team, actually. Um, I played there for a few years, and then I went and I played at Gilmore boys. 
Okay. And when and where did you decide that you wanted to be a full-time goalie? Because I know a lot in the youth, a lot of the goaltenders, they play out, they play in the net, then they play out again. So at what point and where did you realize that goaltending was going to be your specialty? Um, That's actually a good question. I started skating now when I played with my older brother. Um, but then he would want to come home after hockey practice and put me in front of the stove and shoot pucks at me. Um, so that's when I really started loving Her it. Her mom and so dad were thrilled I... about that the day we had to buy a new stove. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. There was one time where it went through, but um, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, but then I um, I started playing. I did, like you said, I did about a year, both half and half goalie, half player. Um, but then it got to the point I was so passionate about stopping pucks. So I was about, I want to say, five, six years old when I was full-time. I started being a full-time goalie. And talk to us a little bit about your experience at the Barons, at the Gladiators, and then this past year at Gilmore. Or I'm sorry, at uh, Culver. Oh, yeah. So when I played for the Barons, I was, oh, I had to be about 10 to about 12 years old um, playing boys growing up was obviously hard, like getting on the boys team, competing with the boys. Um, but then it got to the point where my coaches were telling me, Hey, you got to play both girls and boys hockey. Um, so I had to learn to play for the Barons boys and then go play for girls pens as well. Um, so it was a bit of a struggle at the beginning, just being able to play girls hockey and boys hockey. Um, changing from weekend to weekend, um, getting into that flow. But um, after that, I got really used to it. I loved it. Um, we'd play boys. Barons was really competitive. So you were gone almost every weekend. Um, you'd even split weekends sometimes, half girls, half boys. Um, and then so after that, I went to go play at Gilmore. That was my last year of boys hockey. We won our league. Um, I loved it. That was my favorite coach ever. You know, he really embraced me playing both girls and boys. Um, that was the first year that I had two goalie partners. Um, so that was also something to get used to. And then I played just two straight years of straight just pens, girls, AAA hockey, um, which was another shift in my career that was another hard thing to switch to and then I decided hey um you know you really got to get used to if you want to play college hockey getting used to being away from home being able to manage your time um so I headed to Culver um picked up all my stuff went out to Indiana and this past year was obviously really hard with COVID and all the new rules um but I have to say that was one of the best seasons that we've definitely had at Culver. What, what, uh, what went into your decision on Culver in choosing Culver Military Academy? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I, growing up playing in um, or competing for like the U.S. national team and all that, um, Coach Corey Whitaker was actually my coach. And I had him and two other schools. It was between him or Gilmore Academy, actually. Um, and I think the decision that really made me want to go to Culver was the idea of it wasn't just a regular boarding school. Um, it wasn't just for hockey. It wasn't just for this or that. It was 
like you went to school, it was really hard academically. Um, so it opened up a lot of opportunities for me to be on the ice every day, um, to work out every day, to work out or skate during my free periods, um, but also be four hours away from home, which wasn't too far, um, but far enough for me to get used to being away from home and competing and keeping that consistency on the ice, like being away from home and being away from your parents. So I think that's what really won it over was one, like the academics were huge there. Um, and it gave me the chance to um, grow both on the ice and in the classroom. So did you, did you uh, still stay and live at home uh, when you were playing for the Pens? I did. Yeah. So we drove about two hours um, every day to practice when I played in Pittsburgh. Do you, do you want to say something to your parents right now? <laughs> Thank you, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Spencer Cox on a few months ago and he said he benefited from the uh, environment uh, at the military Academy. What was your experience uh, for you being at Culver? Oh yeah, for sure. You definitely benefit from that a lot. Um, they definitely don't have that in any other high school. Um, there's a lot of things that you learn. And one of the main things that they constantly pound into your head is leadership. Um, and I definitely have seen that make me grow both on and off the ice coming home. Like I, uh, I help coach and like just noticing like how much I've grown from just being in that leadership role. Like you get to Culver and they throw you right into it. Um, and so being at Culver, having to do the military, like you said, um, it's really hard and it's very challenging because you do have hockey, you do have school, and then you still have to um, focus on all your little jobs that you do have being a military school student. Um, so I definitely think it has made me grow in the way of like being a leader, being able to manage your time um, and obviously being so grateful that you're at a school that puts you through, um, stuff like that. Um, like you have prayed every Sunday, you know, you gotta practice all throughout the week. So getting on the ice, there's times like you have early, um, study sessions so you can get on the ice early so you can go do your military stuff. Um, and it's definitely opened my eyes a lot. So how has it been different playing uh, for your school at Culver versus playing in different AAA youth programs? Um, I think the biggest thing is you live with your team, right? Like you see your team every day. You're going to the same school as your team every day. Um, so it's more of a family. Um, I think you have stronger bonds with the girls um, at the boarding school, right? Like you see them in the classroom and you can be in the rank like 30 minutes early and be working on a school project with one of your teammates and then be on the ice. Whereas when you're traveling, you see them at practice um, and you see them every other weekend. Um, so you don't have that tight knit family kind of bond um, with them that you do when you're at a school and seeing them every day. And was it at Culver that you first came into contact with Rochester Institute of Technology or was that something that was already simmering for you? Yeah, so when I got to Culver, that was the first, it was about two weeks in, um, we went on our first tournament and they started to reach out 
Um, they were really heavy on me. I have two other teammates who actually are committed to Rochester Institute as well. Um, and so that was the first time I started talking to them once I got into Culver. And it was honestly, when I got to Culver, it was just getting past that point of you have to be a junior to commit COVID like coaches couldn't come. Um, so it was a really like crazy hectic year. So, yeah. And were there any other schools that you were considering? Yeah. So there were about two to three other schools that I was considering. There was one division two and there was um, two other division ones. There was one division one that had kind of fallen off after COVID which kind of sucked because it was my dream school, um, Duluth, um, which made it kind of hard. But I kind of got to the point after COVID of trying to figure out like, hey, are there going to be Division One scouts at our games this year? Um, or do I really push hard and try and get on that top Division Three team? Um, but it kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm so grateful that it did because I – totally fell in love with the school right when I stepped foot on that campus. That's great. And uh, I took a quick peek at their stats. There were, I noticed there were three goalies who played last year. One was a mm -hmm. senior. So I don't know what the extra year if she's coming back. Are you competing? Yeah. So I will be red shirting my first year. Um, I was supposed to take gap year, but they, they were like, no, like we don't want you out of school and we want you here. I'm developing as a goalie here. I'm at our school. They were like, we don't want you to go get hurt um, because the other option was to go play in Canada um, because they have those kind of gap years teams. It's basically juniors for girls. Um, so they didn't want me to get hurt. They really want me to come and compete that year, like in practice and like show the kind of goalie I am. Um, so they have decided to redshirt me my first year. And you can get a head start on your classes, right? So what's what's the major going to be? Is that the same? Um, my my major is going to be bio pre-med. So that is. <laughs> I can't even is. pronounce that. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. So definitely going to be a great opportunity for me to get started on those really hard classes. And um, we have, I know you have to be an intern. They really push being an intern, um, taking the bio pre-med route. Um, and that was also one of their things. They were like, you can get ahead on so much of that. So when it's time for you to actually like play in a game, get in the net, like you're laser focused and ready to go. Yeah. And so what does one do with a bio pre-med uh, degree? Yeah. So you can basically, it's kind of complicated. Like you could go. Sounds so it. So <laughs> the bio, the bio part is you basically pick, you can do like regular bio, which works with both um, plants, your animals, and like your human kind of idea. Or you could just do, um, it's like kind of like a human bio where it's just, you stay away from plants. Everything's like um, like either animals or like human kind of stuff like that. Um, so I'm gonna do the regular bio so you um, get that idea. I could basically come, it's like the start to being a nurse. I guess you could say, because the school doesn't have a nursing program. So I'll go all four years, four to five years um, with that. And then if I wanted to become a full-time nurse, then after school, I'd do that extra nursing program. Okay. 
my wife's a nurse at the Cleveland Clinic. There's a huge nursing shortage right now, so not a bad thing to be going into right now. Yeah, no, that was the one thing. Um, you can't really find that many um, Division One schools that actually have like straight nursing as major. Right. So, so getting back to the hockey side of it, um, I know in the summertime uh, you participate in the Futures Hockey League from the Ohio Hockey Project. How many summers have you played in the Futures League with Russ? I've played uh, three straight summers. It's been three straight summers um, ever since it started. He put me on a team, um, and I, I love it. I'm the only girl in the league, actually. So what are the pros and cons of that? So I don't really think, I mean, the biggest con I'd have to say is, you know, you go out at, you play at like eight o'clock on a Thursday night, um, which can kind of be tough. Um, but the pros are you get put on a team and you're meeting brand new people and you're learning to play with brand new people. There's never a day that you play a team that isn't pushing you. That's for sure. Um, the teams are always like they're even, you know, you're playing kids that you used to play with. Uh, I know last week I played about six or seven kids that I used to play with at Gilmore. Um, so you're basically getting that game feeling in the summer that you really don't get anywhere else. So it's kind of giving you a head start um, for your next season. So you practice and then that Thursday night game is giving you that head start of that game feeling getting in like I know being a goalie like practice and game shots are completely different like getting those down um so when you do hit the ice like during the season you're not out of game shape so was there ever a time in the futures league that you looked at your defenseman the puck comes back to you and you say to your defenseman if you don't pick up the pace I'm going to RIT I'm I'm bio pre-med if you don't start playing it, you're going to find this puck straight in the middle of your back. Oh my gosh. Well, there has not, I've had a few words in my defenseman for sure. I, I had a defenseman on my team. Absolutely. Just rocket the puck right back in my net. And I was like, Oh dude. Oh, come on. Like I could say a few words to you right now. Like wrong net. Um, but no, my, my team has definitely, I had a rough game, um, but my team's super supportive. And one of the kids came up to me, he's like, it's all right. Like you're committed to RIT. Like, don't worry about it. I was like, thanks, bud. Like you're the guy that shot the puck right back at my net, but it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, would you say, uh, and this is kind of, you know, Russ is a big supporter of the podcast. So would you say that the futures hockey league that Russ puts on with the Ohio hockey project? Uh, keeps you and others sharp during summertime? Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, like I said, like you're competing against – Russ does a really good job of putting kids like exactly where they need to be um, for that summer league. So you are competing against like the top tier of your age group every time you get on that ice. So it is really truly getting you prepared and getting you that head start so when you do get on the ice and compete against um, any teams, like there's no shock to you. Like you are ready to go. You got that head start and being ready and being in game shape. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Okay. Uh, who, give me the two. I'll give you, you can name two. 
two of the toughest shooters that you faced this summer? Oh boy. Um, my brother being one of them, uh, Spencer. Can't say that. He, that's not fair. That's not fair because he put you I, in front of the oven. I, so. The, the only two, the only reason I have to say that is because growing up, we're on the ice constantly. And so when it comes game time and he knows exactly where my weak spots are, it's the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> so definitely him. Do you, guys, um, do you guys drive to the games together then? Yeah. And so if he, if he beats you or if you stop him, how's that car ride home? Oh, I put my AirPods right in my ears, turned towards the window. There's, there's not one, but we do have a deal. Like even in the mornings when we practice with each other with Russ, uh, you know, whoever will have a competition at the end and Russ got it into Spencer's head, it's three puck. So whoever loses that game is buying breakfast on our way to work. And then after the game, whoever gets scored on or stops the puck, they have to buy a dinner. So we've got we've got a routine down. I like it. Perfect. All right, so let's get back to this toughest shooters here so far. So I'll 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 accept your brother as one because I know how he shoots and he's pretty darn good at it. So I'll accept that. Um, and then I have to say, um, Christian Heckman. He plays at Shattuck. He's he's the second one. He's got a rocket. He's got a rocket. Okay. And sometimes sometimes you're really you're praying that. He doesn't get too close and you got time to react to the puck. Or you're praying that your defenseman step in front of it, right? Yeah, that's that never happens. They always they're like, I'm over here. Not in the summer. Not in the summer. Well, Sophie, we we do appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and, and um sharing the exciting news about RIT um and talking a little bit about your growing up and and your path to where you're going. So good luck in the future. Uh, again, we love having you on the show. And, uh, um, you know, we, we've gotten to see you play a few times here, uh, more than a few times here in Cleveland. So um, we know that you have a bright future, and uh, we're all pulling for you. So good luck uh, in the future, and uh, stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. There is no better way to let the Ohio hockey community know about your program, product, or service than advertising on the Ohio Hockey Digest and the on-air podcast. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com to find out how we can help you get the word out. Talking to a pretty impressive young lady there, Sophia Bellina. Um, you know, I really, what, what caught me in this conversation was she had the opportunity to go to Gilmore Academy, which is an unbelievable school for women's hockey, uh, unbelievable school for hockey, uh, period, or, or she had the opportunity to go to Gilmore or uh, to Culver Academy. And she actually thought in depth that she wants to play college. She wants to be away from home or not wants to be, but that's part of the college experience. Let's start that process now so that it's an easier transition when she goes to college. I mean, granted, whether that, that was made with, with support, I'm sure, so I know support from the parents, but support and, and ideas from others, that is such a impressive decision to make. I mean, you could go to either one of these schools and still get where you need to get, right? Right. But for her to her to say, I want to be fully committed and fully ready to go to college and already have that experience underneath my belt, very impressive. You look at, you know, the different places that she's played and, and she's always been at home, be it with the Pens, be it with Gilmore, be it here in Cleveland with the Barons. 
and the fact that, like you said, she made the conscious decision. I'm ready to go away from home and start this process now. And she just, I mean, bio pre-med, I can't even pronounce it. I was like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about a head on your shoulders going in training as hard as she does. We do know where she trains at and with who and, and all that and have seen her at the rink. But the fact that she knows she's going to be redshirting, she knows she's going to apply that time to not only improve as a goaltender, but also get ahead in her studies. I mean, head on shoulders, 100%. Absolutely. Yep. And we had uh, Spencer Cox from Columbus area on, went to Culver as well. And he kind of said the same thing, that it was a decision he made to go uh, mature a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, going there and spending some time there. And then uh, obviously advances hockey career as well so um but for the most part other than that uh uh one year at culver she was able to do all of this development and get a division one scholarship yeah right here i think they live on the west side of cleveland mm-hmm. and another great great story of uh, uh another player coming out of the pipeline here in ohio absolutely awesome well uh to our listeners we are back uh we will be back weekly now uh we took a couple weeks off so uh, let's gear up for a exciting fall coming up with some really good guests. Join us next week when we talk to the new voice of the East Coast Hockey League's Cincinnati Cyclones, along with head coach Matt Thompson Thomas and Jim Mitchell from the Junior Cyclones. Then, on episode 60, we will speak with Dylan Duke of the U.S. National Development Program, a recent draft pick of the two-time Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning, and a member of the University of Michigan's loaded 2021 roster. Continue to grow the game as the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Diagnosis Podcast.